So, Berto, what do you know about the allegations against Army Hammer? I don't know too much. I saw that it came out, and I was like, wait a minute. There, like, there was a headline about cannibalism. And I was like, cannibalism? What the heck? And then I started yeah. like reading, and it's obviously everything sensationalized. But it seems like there were some people saying that he, or some, some exes saying that, yeah, he tried to, he, he always fantasized about biting me or eating me or something. Right. <laughs> right. So that's what we're going to get into today. Um, we're going to talk about Army Hammer. We're going to talk about the allegations. We're going to talk about vor fetish and sexuality. What do you say, Berto? Let's do it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host. Dr. Kirk Honda, I'm a therapist and a professor, and I suppose my favorite Army Hammer movie would be The Social Network. Berto, who are you? Actually, no, I back up, back up, back up. Call Me By Your Name is my favorite oh, Army yeah, Hammer that movie. Makes sense. My, who are you, Berto? My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I'm a big tuna sommelier. And um, I actually, I would go with The Social Network. That's a, that's a good choice. Um, yeah. yeah. What do you know about his career? Like, you know, Call Me By Your Name, Social Network... What what else do you know about? It was one of those where like I didn't actually know his name for a while, but I had seen him in things. Um, and then when I found out his name, I I really didn't believe it. Like, how is that someone's actual real name? It is. Yeah. Uh, it's like the there's a guy in politics whose name is Dick Army, <laughs> and I'm like really, and he's kind of a jerk. And I was like, really, that's your name? It's like that's his name. <laughs> Yeah, there's a football uh, linebacker. His name was Dick Dick Butt Kiss. Dick Butt Kiss, <laughs> and it's amazing because as a kid, I would see him. He was a super famous guy. He was like you know, in the football world in the '70s, kind of like a Michael Jordan character. And the fact that we never made fun of his name, That's I think, <laughs> points to a time in our history when not everything was a dick joke you know <laughs> whereas today you can't even say words like moist without people going like ew sexual <laughs> yeah, it's like true. well what other what other word like you, you use the word damp like ew well how are we supposed to describe something that is like kind of wet yeah true you know oh, but soon like you can't even say wet right because that'll be it doesn't like, give you a lot of options does it <laughs> yeah so trigger warning on this episode by the way because we're going to be talking about a lot of things that could definitely trigger you if um, descriptions of intimate partner violence and gore by the way so just be very careful and never listen to anything that you could be triggered by in terms of your ptsd okay so let's talk about army hammer so his full name is armand hammer Arm and, it makes and you... Hammer? That's his full name? <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Arm, Armand Hammer. Uh, born 1986, Santa Monica, California. He's 34 years old right now. He is the son of businessman Michael Hammer, who is a very successful, rich dude. Wow. And the great-grandson of oil ty tycoon Armand Hammer. <laughs> so he comes from a long string of, you know... So his depiction of the Winklevoss twins Winkelvoss. was very accurate and because he and he sort of holds himself that like way he can you know? relate to that world basically yeah like the social network he definitely seemed like he knew that role yeah you know that that elitist old money I role it. yeah uh okay so uh, a couple months ago january 2021 
uh, about a month ago, multiple women came forward about abuse that they had allegedly experienced from him. Uh, most notably, Paige Lorenz. She dated him in 2020, and it, she was interviewed on Dr. Oz. Did you see this interview at all? I did Bert? not. So it's an interesting watch, but some highlights is that he said, uh, she said that he used a knife to cut her with the letter A above her um, genitals, if you will. Yikes. Lower genitals. <laughs> Wait, do we have upper genitals or is it all just <laughs> there's lower? There's the upper, there's the west side. <laughs> East side. Uh, so there's the lower uh, Manhattan her, area. <laughs> to, to quarter sometimes, or to quarter here, uh, she goes, so on one of these high protocol nights, I was, I don't know what that means, but I think that was a reference to something. So one of these high, I'm thinking that means like one of the sex <laughs> fetish nights. The high protocol. Um, I was tied up and basically looked over my body and he said to me, where should I put my initials on you? And I did, and I didn't really say anything. And then he just started to carve his initial into me and I was in a weak position. He was in a position of power. He knew how uncomfortable it made me, but I just never said no. And I think that kind of being coerced into things, and I, and I think that kind of being coerced into things and we don't want to say no and we don't want to be undesirable. And I think consent is more complicated than we think. And I've learned that through this end of quote. So this is one of the biggest allegations against him. And when you hear that quote, Berto, what do you think? Yeah, it definitely sounds complicated because it, I, I didn't hear in that quote that she had been tied against her will to begin with. It sounds like they had some form of arrangement. Maybe they even had a safe word of some sort uh, that was presumably consensual to a certain extent, but that it got beyond the point of comfort. But unfortunately, she didn't feel comfortable uh, drawing a line in the, in the moment and later uh, regretted that because it was too far for her. Yeah, it's really, well, it's really complicated because... Consent in situations like this is complicated yeah. in that if someone is giving the impression, Army Hammer in this position, that he will either emotionally control you um, or emotionally punish you, and he's led you down a road of emotional control, the fact that you didn't overtly say no doesn't necessarily mean that it was consensual, right? Yeah. And it's interesting the way she put it. She says, you know, he, you know, he tied me up. So, right, presumably that was consensual. And, I mean, in terms of, like, overtly consensual, whether or not she emotionally had been led down a road of high control is unknown. And then she says, he basically looked over my body and said to me, where should I put my initials on me? And I didn't really say anything. So it's an interesting way to put it. I didn't really say anything. So what does that mean? Does that mean she said something or does that mean she didn't say much? Did she, did she say nothing or did she kind of just give a bland answer? Right. Or, you know what? So from Army Hammer's point of view, was there consent? And uh, then he just started to carve his initial into me. From the description, uh, it sounds to me like she is saying he did not have consent. And this is such a drastic behavior that, of course, you would want you know, very, very firm consent, <laughs> you know, proper 
play, and we'll get into this later, is very, very clear. And there's lots of communication about this from the beginning of, of, are you sure? And you don't ask for consent, especially about something like this in the moment that you want to make sure. So tonight I want to do this. I want to do that. And I, is it okay if I do this? And you want the other person to be on board with that, you know, especially with something as drastic as cutting someone's skin. Yeah, the the issue I have is that you are stating this, and I assume that this is because in the in this community, uh, say S and M community, there are well understood practices or protocols. But I think that this is not well known. It's not it's not something you learn about in school. You don't. I didn't take yeah. a class for this. So if I were if I got involved with someone on a given night and, you know, I meet someone at a bar, we go to their place and they were playing, they're like, you know, I'm into some, some, you know, S&M stuff. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll try it. In that moment, I will not have like signed a, you know, a book that I read with all the rights and consents and things. I will just be like going along with it, but expecting that I'm going to be able to say no if I'm uncomfortable. Um, and so that's why I think that there's a lot of unspoken uh, things that might be happening there. I don't know how well-versed each of them w- were or not in, and how much they had discussed this ahead of them. Like it seems, it seems haphazard at best. <laughs> right. Then uh, she says that he licked her flesh wound as it was bleeding. She became worried about it becoming infected, and she claims the brand has not healed properly. She said, quote, I think he used BDSM as a smokescreen to hurt women and inflict pain on women. And she also said that his mom told her once that Army had, quote-unquote, demonic behaviors. So I just want to point out that that's all allegations, and we don't really know for sure. But sounds credible to me. Wow. And usually, almost vast majority of the time when people come forward, if anything, they downplay it. So we can probably trust Paige Lorenz, but, you know, we have to hold out for the possibility of either memories going bad or, yeah. you know, ill will or something. Another person, Courtney Vachukovic, told Page Six, a publication, that he allegedly told her that he wanted to break her rib and barbecue and eat it. Berto, what do you think about that? I mean, that is, <laughs> that is a deal breaker for me, you know, if I'm hanging out, we're like, oh man, this is so nice cuddling with you right now. How do you like the show? Oh, it's pretty nice. You know what I really would love right now? What? You want a little back rub? No, I just want to like break one of your ribs and eat it. <laughs> I mean, we better have been making jokes about it <laughs> leading up to that. Like, wow. Yeah. Now, again, at the end of this episode, we'll get into the fetish side of these, uh, this world. But, uh, yeah, it's a pretty interesting thing to say. Uh, interesting pillow talk, even, if you will. Even that one. So, that one, for example, because it sounds complex. Like, it's not an easy thing to do if you wanted to do it, right? But imagine if it's, it's something that on the surface is less violent, but still uh, violent and more doable. For example, you're sitting there cuddling. It's like, oh, man. I'd like to grab one of the kitchen knives and just like cut into your finger. Like what? Like I mean, I would be like what? And that one would scare me because how do I know that when I fall asleep they're not literally going to go to the kitchen, grab a knife and cut into my finger. Right. The the rib one I guess would also scare me, but 
that one would be like, oh, I mean, I guess you're going to kill me? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think that's why this story is so interesting to the media and to the public is that, one, it talks about a fetish that people don't usually hear about, and two, it's like, what in the world? You know, because he just seems like such a clean-cut person, and to hear about him essentially talking as if he's literally Hannibal Lecter yeah. is, it's like, Hearing a story about, you know, Gandalf exists, you know, <laughs> it's like, wait, Hannibal exists? There's a real one among us? And again, we'll get into this, the sort of nuances later. But she said, Courtney said, he enters your life in a big way. He's such a captivating person. He has such a presence and he's aware of that. And he uses it in such a way that most women would think, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. But especially young women. And that's kind of the scary part how good he is at active manipulation and making you feel like he's never felt this way about anyone else. Berto, what do you think about that? So that sounds, that sounds interesting because we, we've heard that pattern with other people we talked about where uh, the manipulation aspect, the grooming. Like Marilyn Manson. The, yeah. Where, where you basically say, uh, you bring him into your little world and you make him feel special and you, and you make him feel safe in a sense. And then that opens up to like, oh, you're going to be my partner in this adventure together. And uh, one thing I was reading after we did the Manson episode was about how uh, there was that sense of uh, going on a journey together. And so like, I could see that. But see, the, the hard thing is that that sounds perfectly reasonable depending on the context. Context, right. you know, like it's like, yeah, we're going to go on this journey of exploration. Like what if... You get together with someone like me. I actually don't love, I don't love traveling just to travel. Uh, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, I want to go to the, to the barrier reef and I want to do it. For me, I'm like, eh, that's, that's great. But let's say I get together with someone and they're like, no, 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 I'm going to show you. Like, I'm going to take you around the world. You know what? This is going to put me out of my comfort zone, but it's a perfectly reasonable thing. You know, it's like, and it might even put my life in danger because it's like, we're going to go skydiving. We're going to go scuba diving. We're going to go doing all these risky things. We're going to drive motorcycles. Eat each other's ribs. Eat each other's <laughs> But that's the thing. Where do you draw the line? Because the yeah. one I'm describing is still putting me at risk, more risk than I would normally be at. It's going against what I'm comfortable with, but I'm going along with it. Maybe I even go further than I'd like to because, you know, I, I wanted to explore the Cayman Islands. I didn't really want to go bungee jumping. I did it because she really wanted me to, but I was uncomfortable the whole time. Where do you draw the line? Yeah. Well, another angle to this is that a lot of relationships or a lot of people are, you know, they really fall in love quick. And so we looked at through one direction, Army Hammer is this manipulative Machiavellian person, and it's possible for sure. And, you know, I will tell you that the gestalt of the allegations seems to point towards a emotionally manipulative person, person that isn't necessarily out for uh, treating other people in ways that, that are consensual. Mm. Um, but who knows? But, but just based on that description of like, um, you know, someone's talking about their, their previous partner and they're like, you know, he has such a way of making you feel like this is just amazing. But then later I figured out that, 
you know, he was just manipulating me. Yeah. A lot of people think that after a relationship ends, that person was just manipulating me. Because you break up and you think, well, I think that that person never loved me. It certainly seems that way because of the way they treated me at the end. But that's a, you know, it's a narrative that you're telling yourself. And it might be true, but it might not be true. It's convenient in that moment. Yeah. But so... Uh, at the very least, we might be able to say, well, maybe, maybe there's some influence there. But again, when you add up all the allegations, I think we can draw some conclusions about him at the end. But just going on more, Courtney said a lot of things, so just kind of rattling through here. She said, he quickly grooms you in the relationship. He kind of captivates you. And while being charming, he's grooming you for these things that are darker and heavier and consuming. When I say consuming, I mean mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, just everything. Wow. She also said that he is a chameleon who transforms into exactly who you need him to be. She also said he sucks out all the goodness you have left. That's what he did to me. I gave and gave and gave until it hurt. She said uh, that his behavior turned obsessive. At one point, they spent three weeks together, 24-7. And when they weren't together, he would text her 100 times a day. So, again, hmm. that behavior is like, well, you know, someone's really into you or they have preoccupied attachment or something. Yeah. It's not pathological to, you know, be obsessive with a relationship. It's maybe not helpful. It's not, you know, functional, but it's not like you're a psychopath necessarily. But it does give a more context, I think, to the way he relates to other people. Yeah. She also said, I had this gut feeling the whole time that this was not right. He is not well. She also said that he would drink and do drugs, quote-unquote, all the time. She said, you end up doing these things that are very out of character for you, including sex acts. She also said he makes you feel very bad for him. She also said she paid for everything, including gas for his truck, because he was allegedly broke at the time. Oh. And still broke, maybe. So that's interesting. Why would you still be broke? If Maybe drug problem would be a reason there. Yeah. Because he's been a lot of big movies, yeah. Um, you know, uh, Man from Uncle. You know, all these other movies. Anyway. Um, quote: It's a full time job when you're with him the way that he what the way that I was. I was trying to catch my breath the entire time I was with him. You're drowning in this dark hole, trying to stay afloat. There will be random moments of good that convince you to stay. So that's kind of interesting too. It it sounds like he is at least emotionally intense mm. that when he is into you, he's like really into you. And it's possible that he knows that in order to get his fetish satisfied with these women, he has to really envelop them and, and slowly introduce things to them instead of actually finding people who actually might be into this kind of thing, which we'll get into later. Uh, she said, and this is kind of a kicker after they broke up, she said that she had panic attacks thinking about what she endured with him. Whoa. So that tells you something, right? Having, uh, and she said that she was, she's in therapy now and that's the key to her ther her recovery from him. That's intense. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting because, you know, w with Marilyn Manson, for example, we would hear absolute violence chasing around with an ax, putting you in a locked room, beating you, not letting you sleep, like real obvious abusive things. Mm -hmm. But here we're hearing obsessiveness, a chameleon, making you feel like you're special, uh, slowly, you know, convincing you to do things that are out of character for you. And, you know, he makes you pay for everything. So it's, I think it's a different 
profile, at least from the allegations. What do you think, Bruno? Yeah, it, it seems um, even some of the worst allegations. Well, okay, the cutting part. But, you know, I think that like when he's saying, hey, um, can I eat your ribs or whatever? Um, that is so psychological, right? That is, it's just a question. I'm just asking a question. <laughs> but it's such a terrifying question. And yeah. the the constant on engagement. I, I want to point out, it, it's, const- it's terrifying to someone who's not used to that. Sure. Which we're sure. Gonna, we'll yeah. get into that later. Although I guess, yes, I guess that's that's important. Um, but, but you could say, well, because, you know, I could imagine someone trying to explain it, saying like, well, I don't know. We had been going out for three months and I was asking crazy questions from day one, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I think it is different in that, and we don't know all the details, I guess, but from what we do know, it seems a lot more like a psychological onslaught of words and text messages and some and acts. Charm. Yeah. And charm. That, and yeah. charm, but and that still add up to mental anguish and suffering. Right. Uh, but in a less obvious way. It's less obvious to pinpoint the, the tail on the donkey, so to speak. Yeah. And then an anonymous person came forward on Instagram and released a bunch of screenshots, allegedly from him sending messages to various women describing his various sexual fantasies. And I want to point out this is completely unverified. I mean, with the internet today, who knows? But <laughs> just people are reporting on it. He allegedly asked a partner over Instagram if he could cut off one of your toes and keep it with me in my pocket so I always had a piece of you in my possession. Hmm. He allegedly said he wanted to bite pieces off of a woman and eat her heart. He allegedly wrote, I'm 100% cannibal and I want to eat you. That's the scary that's scary to admit. I've never admitted that before. Wow. And he's come forward and said that these messages are faked. So, and they very well could be. Yeah. But that's the reporting on it. So I did, I was reading here that the, the one about the ribs, what well, the request was actually to have the ribs, the lower ribs surgically removed. Right. So that almost, what's, what's odd about that is in a way that's scarier because, because it's like, Oh, you, you, you actually, actually have, have thought, thought about, about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's worse. It's like, no, no, here's a doctor's business card. Just, just give this guy a call. <laughs> He'll hook you yeah. up. Yeah. Um, his attorney, said that these assertions about Mr. Hammer are patently untrue. Any interactions with this person or any partner of his were completely consensual. And his lawyers are currently in the process of subpoenaing Instagram and Facebook to investigate the validity of of the screenshots that were presented. Um, So there are other reported kinks from other people to drink blood, cut toes, enslave sexual partners, rape fantasies even. And there are other allegations as well, several, like, unrelated to the quote-unquote cannibalism, several affairs. Um, he's currently going through a custody battle, I believe, with his with his wife. Oh, man. And there's alleged videos of him using drugs and drinking and driving. And apparently, according to the reporting, he posted videos of himself drinking and driving and using drugs with great abandon on a private Instagram account. Who right. does that? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it makes me wonder if this is true, if he's like, huh, um, I'm going to upload things to Instagram because then I could share it with other people. Like, why would you have a, 
You know what I mean? Or I'm going to have 10 people that have access to my private Instagram account. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why would you... It's one thing to take a video of yourself on your phone. It's another thing to upload it to a private Instagram yeah, account. Yeah, totally. Things that you would definitely not want out there. I mean, do people not understand that Instagram is another company? It's not owned by you? Like, yeah. they, you know, they, according to their uh, terms of service, I'm guessing well, if there's a crime that's being committed, they can actually just hand it over to the police. Even the right? phones nowadays, that's that's bad enough in the sense that, you know, most of us have our phones. Like, I have my phone, every picture and video I take gets uploaded to the cloud for backup. Right, right. So, you know. So, if this is true, which we don't know, it would also point to a recklessness, a level of out-of-controlness that his life has, that he might be a train wreck, right? Yeah. That he, he's he's not just suffering from a personality of, of abusing others, but that um, there's some deep... Yeah. darkness suffering that he's running from in general right and and that's it like i when i i'm hearing you say all these things i'm like oh man i i'm feeling sad for him because i'm thinking if this is real and what pain is he living with inside what happened to him what's going on right so using his words again as with marilyn manson it's like we can just go to army hammer and what he has said is evidence along these lines in a Netflix interview he said that his dream dinner guest would be Marquis de Sade oh Berto who's that wow Marquis de Sade he was um, the the word sadist comes from Marquis de Sade <laughs> so um, he was someone who was uh, very open and active in what the 1600s or something about um, these these ideas of uh, lib- libertarianism not like in a political sense, just the uh, libertine, you know, just do what you will. And uh, he had elaborate parties where lots of rules were broken and there were sexual uh, and S&M kind of uh, things that they would do. And, um, and he, I think he wrote down a lot of these very uh, extreme practices and extreme things they would do. There is a movie called A uh, Hundred... 20 or something 90 days of Sodom or 120 days of Sodom. I forget. That's about, it's like loosely based on that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like one of the most disturbing movies of yeah, all time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've heard it described by people and I'm just like, Oh my God. That sounds traumatic to watch. Have you, you haven't seen it. Oh, I've, I own it. <laughs> I own it. And I've seen, what do you mean? You own it. Like I on, own on VHS, the DVDs. The, DVD? oh, the okay. DVDs. Yes. It's called, uh, Salo, and it's uh, the 120 days of Sodom. I was right about. So let me um, just take a guess. Yeah. You bought it because you were like, "Oh, I'd be good to watch," because you probably can't find it <laughs> streaming. And then you keep looking at it and saying, oh, "I don't know if I want to watch it." Exactly what happened, dude. So this was in a period of my life when I was very obsessed with the worst movies out there, and I wanted to really like. So I found this top like, ten list, like irreversible. In, yeah, like in that irreversible is like number twenty on this list. <laughs> like oh it was God. that bad, and so I found this list on some dark website somewhere, and I was like, oh. And then I started buying. I, I don't know if I bought all of them, but I bought a lot of the ones that were on the list. And Sodom, uh, one hundred twenty days of Sodom was one of them. I started it, and I couldn't get myself to watch it. I like I've talked about this before. Something definitely changed in me in the last 
a decade or even maybe started 15 years ago, but where I used to think I was immune to whatever I watched, I'd be fine with it. And then I started realizing that that wasn't exactly true and that I, there were things that could traumatize me. So yeah, there, there are things that I have accidentally seen, or I don't know, I don't know if it's accidentally, but where there was this one, I keep, I always reference this. This is back when video on the internet was brand new. This would have been like around the year 2000 ish. And I can't remember why, but like some website, there was, this is way before YouTube, way before any of this stuff. And it was this, they're like, click on this video. It's really shocking <laughs> or something. And it was, it was a really small video. You could, you know, it wasn't full screen. Yeah. It was this tiny little thing. And I clicked on it and there's a woman. I, I'm not even going to describe it, but it's a snuff video. And, oh my God. And it, and I'm pretty sure it was real. And oh it, my God. cause it looked, oh, no. it looked real. And uh, that was yeah, that 20 would, years would, ago, and I can still see her face and see her fear. And I'm like, yeah, there's things that even fictional things like Irreversible, for example, the right. the midway point of that movie. I, you know, it's I probably the last time I watched that was probably, in, yeah, it was probably about 15, maybe even maybe even 20 years ago. <laughs> long time ago and that movie it, it you know it'll just pop into my head i'll be like oh like yeah. oh no so yeah. yeah um maybe never watch it bro maybe just like put it behind glass and say like i don't know like what would be the, the condition I never watched <laughs> what would be the condition of break glass and watch like break glass if i become a psychopath if i become a psychopath <laughs> yeah if i'm about to die in the next couple hours like uh, a break glass in case of Army Hammer eating my rib. <laughs> <laughs> Playboy magazine, uh, he gives an interview. He describes himself as being a dominant lover. He says, I liked the grabbing of the neck and the hair and all that, but then you get married and your sexual appetites change. He also says, and I mean that for the better. It's not like I'm suffering in any way, but you can't really pull your wife's hair. It gets to a point where you, where you say, I respect you too much to do these things that I kind of want to do. End of quote. So that also says something there. Of yeah. He, by definition, he would pull the hair of women that he did not respect. Hmm. So that also, uh, and, and that's always the key that everyone has to think about is like, there's nothing wrong with consensual playing of hair, uh, pulling of hair. There's nothing wrong with having a fantasy of wanting to pull someone's hair. There's nothing wrong with having a fantasy of having your hair pulled. There is something definitely wrong with a personality of perhaps misogyny, but definitely like I want to control other people, whether they want to be controlled or not. And I don't care about other people's feelings. And so because a, a more balanced kink person other than Army Hammer would say something like, yeah, I really, I'm a dominant lover and I really love to pull hair and, you know, grab the neck and that sort of thing. And I've been talking with my wife about how we can do those sorts of things in a way that she uh, won't mind, or maybe Mm. even she can get into. Or I found another person who actually likes that sort of thing. That's not what he's saying, right? What he's saying is, if you read between the lines, and of course we don't know, but one way of reading between the lines is, I because I like my wife, I don't want to do these things with her. I only want to do these things with people that I don't care about, which is uh, concerning 
right? Uh, uh, proper kink people will absolutely introduce that kink. If, if they're engaging in the kink as they're dating, they, they will definitely introduce it with their spouse because, you know, why would you not? Anyway, um, L Magazine, he said, a former girlfriend tried to stab him while they were having sex. He says, uh, she was like, true love leaves scars and you don't have any. And you don't have any. And then she tried to stab me with a butcher's knife. Of course, I promptly broke up with her seven months, but only seven months later, he said. (laughs) So this is probably two people made for each other, right? (laughs) That he was with someone, probably found someone that was into the same sort of things that he was. And if they had read books or gone to workshops, like in Seattle, we have the erotic, uh, well, we have the you know, Center for Sex Positive Culture, and they have literal classes on like, here's what consent means, and here's what you do, yeah. and here's how you meet people, and here's how you have the conversation, and here's how you manage your own impulses, and here's how you make sure that everything is really consensual and not just implicitly or not just surface level consensual. So anyway, who knows about Ar- Army Hammer, but he clearly in these interviews is uh, confirming that he is into you know, kinky stuff. Right. So the consequences, you know what happened to him as all this was coming out? What happened to him? I'm assuming he's been dropped from things. <laughs> right. He was, dropped by, he was dropped by his talent agency and others. He was cut from many upcoming movies. And t- he's been, he was supposed to be in so, he was, a, he was on the rise. He, he was yeah. going to be one of those major stars over the next few years. Do you know what things he was supposed to be in or that he already has been in and they just haven't released it yet? The only one I knew that um, it was a while ago is he was going to play Batman many years ago in a movie that never materialized, but not as a result of this. It was a long time ago. Yeah. But well, um, he was supposed to be in a series about the making of The Godfather, which I actually randomly really? started watching tonight with my wife. Oh, um, wait, the series did come out, but it just doesn't feature him? It is, it hasn't been shot yet, so it's going to be replaced. And then, or wait, cut from, or I don't know if it's been shot or not, but there's a movie called Shotgun Wedding Rom-Com with Jennifer Lopez. I believe he's the lead in it. I'm not sure. Or it was coming up. Anyway. um, Yeah, yeah. So so those two things were definitely contracted out, you know. So he was going to be in a rom-com with Jennifer Lopez. That would have been a big movie. Army Hammer, Jennifer Lopez. That would have been... You know, big deal. And that's kind of the the beginning of the rise of a star, right? When you start yeah. doing all these random things, including a rom-com. Um, and he has several uh, uh, projects that are already ready to be released. Oh, like, really? They were done? Yeah. Uh, Death of the Nile, which was a follow-up to Murder on the Orient Express. Did you see this by Kenneth Branagh? I didn't. It's, I didn't hear. It was boring, but yeah. there was supposed to be another one, and, and it was you know probably going to be a huge hit. Death of the Nile. I mean, Murder on mm. the Orient Express was big, but so he, that's already shot. So he, <laughs> that movie's coming out soon, and he is getting what dropped from it, or <laughs> uh, they don't know. Re- uh, refilmed? Or? Th- maybe they'll try to edit around him. I don't know. Kevin Spacey, um, or a, they'll just have a black you know dot over his head the entire time. Who Whoa. knows? <laughs> I'm just joking. They'll probably just release it. <laughs> Um, I heard they were going to do a series called Gaslit. Really? Yeah. Literally, he was going to do a stars z- series called Gaslit. Wow. <laughs> he had already shot it. a movie with Taika Waititi. It was going to be his next movie, a sports comedy called Next Goal Wins. Wow. So 
so you know what I mean? You're in a you're yeah. in a Taika Waititi movie. You're in a Jennifer wow. Lopez rom com. You're in the next Kenneth Branagh movie, Death of the Nile, and and all this stuff is just coming to an end for him. That does, is steep. Does he deserve it, Berto? Based on the allegations, man, that's a hard one because, I mean, on the one hand, there's these allegations. So I'm going to discount all the Instagram stuff because we don't know. Who knows? Because that would suck if you like lose all this because someone said that they sent. But whatever. Um, it definitely sounds like he, like he went too far. But it's it's also it's unclear to me when these girlfriends were. But because he Recently. was married for like ten years, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, so I think these women were recent and he's going through a divorce that's just a guess oh i see so this isn't when he was like 18 or something no that's another element to this is it seems like maybe he's progressed or he's getting well that's another possibility but that his out of controlness in general is getting worse who knows man that is tough i i mean it's hard because like these are serious allegations as they were in other cases we've talked about the only reason that it, they get a little murkier is because you say, well, wait a minute, you were already tied up? And like, did he did he cut your rib? No. Did he eat your hand? No. Uh, he said that you would do that? Okay, and that was bad. And yeah, and so it's really weird. Right. I, I got to say, I, I've said this before, I don't love um, when the whole of the internet jumps on someone, even, even really bad people. I mean, because I'm a little scared of mob justice as a as a mechanism in the world. I think mob mentality and mob justice is, is not the way we rule our society. It's not the way we have laws and, and we do trials and all these things. Yeah, I mean, we see the, um, the downside of that uh, mechanism in our society these days. Yes, exactly. Now, at the same time, I do believe in if you don't want to give someone your money anymore because you, you don't agree with what they do, that's what you should do. And if you want to make a website explaining why, and then you want to convince others not to give them money, fine. And it's a fine line, because that can turn into a mob and blah, blah. In this case, though, it sounds like a lot of it was specific companies, like the, his management company, the movies, and maybe they were just afraid of reprisal from advertisers and other things. Right. I think that's the new part of this, is that yeah. before, maybe even just five years ago, if this happened to someone... Well, you know, remember when Pee Wee Herman was hmm. caught, caught or masturbating? Allegedly, yeah, right. Well, he was caught. He was masturbating at. Yeah, a, he was in a in a, an adult film theater. Yeah. Doing what? Yeah. And in that situation, you're like, well, okay, but a lot of dudes, that's what they're doing there, right? Yeah, and he, you know, it was it was illegal. He got arrested. He paid his price. Yeah, <laughs> and so his career, I don't know, but I, from my memory. It was over. He had a yeah. comeback, you know, a couple, yeah. 20 years later after maybe it blew over or people changed their attitudes about that sort of thing. But when that happened, it was, yeah, his career came to a screeching halt by the mob yeah. and by, I'm sure, all the handlers he had. And part of it was this unfair association with the fact that a lot of his brand appealed to kids. And then it's like, whoa, we can't have an adult male masturbating in a theater by himself outside of the scope of what he does professionally yeah. if his brand is kid-related. <laughs> yeah, and then didn't Eddie Murphy get canceled pre-internet because he 
propositioned a trans sex worker on the street. Do you remember that? This sounds familiar. You're right, but I don't remember what the deal was. Or was that Hugh uh, Grant? Oh, Hugh, Hugh Grant. Or Hugh Grant was the guy, yes. Yeah. Anyway. Yes, he was married to uh, the What's gallon in Wayne, in not Wayne's World, in um, the other Mike Myers movie. <laughs> yeah, the uh, <laughs> spy. It's groovy, baby. Shagadelic. Yeah. yeah. The Spy Who Loved Me. <laughs> yeah. What is that movie? Austin Powers. Thank you. Uh, well, it's The Spy Who Shagged Me. Isn't that one of the... Spy Who Shagged Me. Yeah. Anyway. But anyways, yeah. So he was married to Elizabeth Hurley, and then he had an indiscretion with... And then his... his but his career didn't fully finish. It was no. Just, he had it, a, I, I don't... It, you know, Eddie Murphy and Hugh Grant yeah. and... They had a breather. Yeah. Uh, or it was just pre-internet or... or yeah. I don't know. But... Uh, uh, so... Should Army Hammer be canceled for this, Berto? What do you think? Oh, and, and sorry, and by the way, th- there are also differences between, like, for example, okay, so you were masturbating, you got caught by the cops and you got arrested. Okay, fine. But you didn't abuse someone, you didn't, you know, inflict harm on others. You right. just, it's like, okay, fine. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, we, we have this gauge in our mind. Uh, you know, if, if I had like a, a, a gauge from one to a hundred, you know, say Harvey Weinstein's at, you know, like 98 or something. Yeah. Uh, where you just have decades of like full-on violent rape and full-on coercion and using power and money and ro- movie roles to get women to you know do stuff with him and you know just dozens and dozens of victims. So we have and then that. Pee Wee Herman's had a one. <laughs> Pee Wee Herman's yeah at at some sort of well you know put him at like a ten because it's like uh, technically speaking. It's a crime to yeah. do that in public, yeah. and he shouldn't be doing that. Like, there's nothing wrong with masturbating. There's nothing wrong with looking yeah. at porn, but don't do it in public, dude. Like, it, you know, at an adult movie theater. Yeah, right. So there's that. So you know, while give, give, watching give, porn. Yeah, give, while everyone else is doing it. Yeah. While everyone else is yeah. doing. Give him a five, I guess is the thing. Um, uh, so what number on the scale from one to a hundred would you put Army Hammer at, at this point? Given based on given our yeah. impression, I guess, because you know, we don't have the full story, but given your impression, where yeah. is he on that scale? Based on only what I know and what these descriptions are, I would probably go like thirty five. Yeah. But but the the thing that makes it hard, what, and I think it makes it hard for so many people, is as soon as you see the word cannibalism. Right. It like adds 40 points. <laughs> exactly. That was my point was that if you just forget about the cannibal fetish, which we'll get into in a second, and you just think about emotional control and, you know, maybe manipulation, you know, maybe very intense, maybe not such a nice person. And you think about the uh, way he convinced people to do things they didn't really want to do and scared people you know yeah 35 but then you add the fact that there's sex and quote-unquote cannibalism now you're looking at a situation where he's literally like seen as maybe even worse than harvey weinstein in the public eye because when you add cannibalism and sex then you're really amping up your cancel quotient if you will yeah your your cancel county Your county index. <laughs> Your county index. Um, okay, so let's take a break, and when we get back, let's dissect this fetish in a bad phrasing, Bertle. What do you say? <laughs> let's do it. 
Hey, Deserving Listeners, as you know, I'm constantly recommending that people go to therapy. We all need therapy from time to time. One of the options available that is definitely worth checking out is BetterHelp.com. So if you're looking for a therapist, I would give it a try by going to BetterHelp.com Kirk. Make sure you use the slash Kirk because you get 10% off your first month and it helps us out. I get a lot of emails from you saying that you're looking for a therapist. As you watch these videos, I know many of you have been motivated to find your own therapist. But I know it can be really hard to find a good one to work with. Like I said, one of the options available to try is BetterHelp.com slash Kirk. And you should know that this service is available to clients worldwide, which is amazing. I've been told that you can start communicating with your therapist in under 24 hours. You can message with your counselor anytime. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And I've been told that it's often less expensive than in-person therapy. So go to BetterHelp.com slash Kirk to get 10% off your first month of therapy today. All right, Berto, if Hannibal Lecter were to ask the listeners to become a patron, yeah, you've been waiting for this moment for decades, by the way. If, I've been waiting for this moment for all, all my life. life. Uh, uh, so if Hannibal Lecter asked the listeners to become a patron of the podcast, what would he sound like? Hello, listener. I have been watching you, and I see that you think you know what's happening. But I want to ask you, go back to the beginning. First, principles. What are you made of? Ah, yes, flesh. And what does flesh need? It needs a frame. But that frame can't move without a brain. And that brain can go bad. Unless you subscribe and patronize Psychology in Seattle. Worry not. If you don't, I have a dinner invitation waiting for you. You will be my special guest. And don't worry about the wine. I will provide. It's kind of weird how Chianti is the perfect Hannibal Lecter wine. You know, it would have sounded so much different. He was like, it's, you know, with fava beans. It's, it's perfect with a good... Sauvignon Blanc. You know, <laughs> it just doesn't. It, Chianti uh, just sound. It yeah. sounds like a like a knife. Chianti. It, it sounds like a yes, weapon. It's got a nice ring to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, answer me this, Berto. Has Army Hammer been accused of eating human flesh? No. He 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 drank or he licked some blood, but he hasn't eaten any human flesh. So we just have to be clear. That there's perhaps, and, and the reason why I'm going down this road is we have to delineate between fetish and intent. Yeah. Uh, like with Marilyn Manson, we delineated between BDSM and abuse. According to the allegations, he seemed very much abusive and not in the world of BDSM because BDSM is consensual. So has he eaten human flesh? No. Is he a cannibal? Is there evidence that he's a cannibal? No. Has he murdered anyone? Evidence? Nope. Not that we know. <laughs> Is he abusive? It sounds like there's some... Yeah, there's evidence that he was, whether he intended to or not. But yes, they were... Victims felt abused. Right. So that's what we're looking at. Potential emotional abuse. 
you could argue physical once you, you know, break someone down and then you involve them in your fetish. You cut them. So let's go into the fetish here. So what fetish does he have? What, what world? It's actually not BDSM. What world is he in? Oh, uh, sadism? No. It's just sadism? No, it's I not. I mean, that's okay. BDSM, right? Yeah, I guess so. Um, it's uh, g- gastronomic. <laughs> Good. Well, it's, it's, it's called vor fetish. Oh. Like carnivore. Carnivore, or aka vorophilia. Vorophilia. So, do you interesting. know? Do you know the definition of this? Uh, Vor is to, to eat. <laughs> so it's actually pretty complicated, and there's a lot hmm. of different corners to this. But it's an erotic desire to consume or be consumed by another person or creature, or watch people consume other people or creatures. Again, wow. consent, consent, consent. <laughs> this fetish in the uh, healthy world is is a whole world of consent. It's perhaps a subset of BDSM, and it's not a very common kink, but common enough that there are entire subreddits to this, for example. <laughs> you know, Vore subreddit. So the elements to this are kind of interesting, and you see this in the way the allegations are about army hammer. Um, some of them you, you see, and some of them you don't. So one of the things that often is present with this vor fetish is that they want to fantasize about eating people whole or being eaten whole or thinking about someone else being eaten whole. So if you look at the porn for this uh, fetish, cause there's always porn, it's often cartoons and you'll see mm. like, a like a minotaur or something and the minotaur has eaten a bunch like five uh naked girl nymphs you know the 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 fairies of the forest and this and they have a a sort of cutaway that you can see into a stomach and you see all these naked nymphs in the belly of this minotaur and that's a huge turn on for the vor fetish people I see. That's what I call a Friday night, personally. But okay. Yeah. From which angle? Are you <laughs> are you the nymph? Are you the minotaur? Um, I am the cinematographer. <laughs> are you the fork? <laughs> so I have a question. Yeah. Um, when you're saying like these fetishes, uh, meaning they they just fantasize about it, they don't actually like consume. Yeah. Yeah. Flesh? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In the same way, BDSM is fantasies about whipping and controlling and or being but they do actually whip a little bit you know yeah but it's not it's not in the in the fantasy they might be fantasizing like you know just take bdsm for example while they're being and this is a big part of it is while they're being whipped and they're tied up and they might actually be unable to get out of it they are fantasizing about how it's real you know like they're really underneath someone's thumb and if the less sort of, and it's not everyone's this way, but um, the less believable it is to their subconscious or to their pretend mindset, the less exciting it is. Right. So you have to really uphold that, uh, that space. It's sort of like maybe more relatable would be a couple is doing role play. Like, I'm I'm the fireman and I just came in through the window and oh there's a there's a lady who 
uh, is, you know, caught in the fire. Well, I'm, I need to have sex with that woman first before I save her. And, and the more the two people believe this role play, the more exciting it is. The woman will literally in her mind go, yes, he is a fireman. Yes, yeah. he, he, I don't want it, but I kind of do. And the guy is like, yes, I am a fireman and I don't know this woman. And, you know, we can, pre- we're very good at pretending, you know, we're yeah. very, very good. And we're very good at believing pretend. When we watch movies, we know it's pretend, but we, we get into it, you know, it moves us to tears and anger and, and, uh, you know, love feelings. And so it, the play is, is real. So with Vor, uh, how do you achieve that is the question, which I'll get into later. And, and the other thing that is in my mind is where should we draw the line between, <clears throat> yeah, hey, these fantasies are great and you might want to seek help. Well, the line is if it's causing dysfunction in your life or others. Well, w- yeah, but what if it's like, okay, that's, that might be fair. I, I, the examples I was thinking about is um, the, the people, the two dudes that shot up Columbine, uh, they fantasized about it constantly, and they planned and they fantasized. Um, now, you could say, what if they had only ever fantasized about it? And then at some point, someone's like, and this is before all those shootings, so someone just refers them to a therapist or... And then they're like, what? We're just fantasizing. We're just, we can't fantasize. Like they're stop police now. And so then they conclude, well, okay, maybe it's, it's fine. They're just fantasizing about it. And at some point they, they don't do anything. So they, they actually just go on with their lives. They grow up and they're fine. But, but maybe we needed to have that check anyways, because others don't just fantasize. They actually go and shoot up the school. Right. So the very few individuals who are into the Vor fetish, who actually will harm other people, then, yeah, those people need to be, I don't know, sanctioned or helped or whatever we say, or not encouraged, I suppose. And but, how do you know ahead of time? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a good it's question. <laughs> uh, but the, the key is, is, does this person have empathy for us? You know, are they a psychopath? Yeah. Uh, do they have empathy for other people? Because that's the kicker, in my view. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are, you know, j- just take a more mundane thing where you have a guy who watches a lot of porn and he has a girlfriend or or wife um, or a husband and he watches a lot of porn and he masturbates to it. And what he's doing in his mind is he's fantasizing about having sex with these other people. That's, you know, part of the porn watching experience. Uh, Not for everyone, but that's common. And uh, you would say, uh, you know, you would add the same question. It's like, well, at what point is doing this actually harming the marriage? Because, he is um, sort of fantasizing about something that would destroy his marriage, you know, to, yeah. for him to actually, if they don't have an open relationship, for him to actually have sex. But of course you say, well, I mean, there's a huge chasm between looking at porn and fantasizing about having sex with other people and actually doing it. Well, the same goes with Vor. There's a huge chasm between thinking or fantasizing about Vor and actually killing people and eating them. Right. <laughs> or even controlling them and cutting them without their consent. There's a huge chasm there. The vast majority of vor fetish individuals are, um, you know, they have empathy. So even though they might have an impulse, I suppose, to do things, and that's even debatable, they know not to because they don't want to alienate anyone. If if anything, most people with vor fetish don't bring it up 
in any relationship because they're so ashamed of it and they're so stigmatized around it because it is such right. a rare, really any kink. I mean, even BDSM people are afraid to talk about it, let alone people, vor people. I mean, there are people who are uh, ashamed of uh, position change, you know, like I want to, I want to change our position away from this one that we always do. And people are ashamed of sure. that. So imagine how, so the vast majority of people with vor, it's, it's an underground thing for them and they're definitely not acting on it. I can see it like, wait a minute. Are you at 15 degrees right now? Uh, yeah. I just thought we'd try something different. 12.5 degrees. I told you. <laughs> so now. Let me get my protractor. What? A Let me get my yeah. protractor. <laughs> is Hannibal Lecter actually empathetic, if you think about it? He's a little empathetic, right? He cared about Clarice. Right. Well, he that's why. He kills the bad people. <laughs> right. That's why that show is, and a lot of them. They don't really present psychopaths accurately. Yeah. Could it possibly happen that someone exists like that? Yeah, but that's, sure. not, the, that's not the typical. They're more like He's the guy a... that flung the goo in her face, you know? Exactly. Um, so, also, you can be consumed in vor fetish through any orifice, not just the mouth. And you can use your own uh, imagination like with, with that. Victims often survive being eaten in the vor fetish fantasy meaning that they're whole mm. and they, they live in the stomach, you know? Oh, interesting. Uh, and that's what I meant earlier with like the minotaur yeah, yeah, and the, the nymphs. The, the nymphs are like, oh, we're stuck. It, it's, it's kind of a, a sexual assault fantasy in that way as well. It's like, I I'm going to eat you and you're not going to be able to get out. Um, victims often survive being eaten. Victims sometimes want to be eaten. That's the other thing. It's like, oh, please eat me. Mm -hmm. uh, there's often a focus on the distended belly after you consume someone mm. to, uh, also to make someone else feel part of you and vice versa. So you, part of the reason why you might want to fantasize this is like, you're trying to, you're trying to make someone part of you or mm. you want to be made part of someone else, you know, which, you know, symbolically makes a lot of sense. So this is related it, to. BDSM, humiliation fetish, furries is another thing that kind of overlaps with vor stuff. And another uh, kink that's called unbirthing, which is, you know, going back inside, if you will. You know, the, the interesting thing uh, for me growing up Catholic is that there is this key ritual where you consume the flesh and drink the blood of the main figure in your religion uh, and that is seen as a holy thing. That is seen mm -hmm. as a exalted thing. Yeah, it's and not, it's for those you know, who don't grow, who didn't grow up in a church. It is explicit. Yeah, Every yeah. time you do communion, you uh, will say this. You know, the the minister holds up the wine and says, or the grape juice in my yeah. case in my church, this is the blood of Christ. They don't they don't say we're going to do communion. They're like because. In the Bible, it has it all written out. Yeah. Jesus said to his disciples, this is my blood and the bread yeah. is my flesh. And, and, and we were taught in our catechism, we were taught that it, through the process of consecration, there's this transmutation that physically takes place and that it literally, literally becomes blood and flesh. And then I remember someone asking, then how come it, it tastes still like, it's like, no, 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 that, that's... That's immaterial. <laughs> the point is it literally becomes flesh and, and blood. Right. And they, they will use in English the word flesh, eating the yeah. flesh of Christ. Yeah. Not 
the even the body sounds a little bit more distant. Like they say flesh. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I was thinking about that too, that we have a lot of interesting cultural elements of cannibalism. cannibalism. <laughs> um, while we're on the religious discussion, there's many other religions and, and mythology that involves the eating yeah. whole of other creatures. For example, you know, in the Greek mythology, if I remember right, you know, Lots Zeus's father... <laughs> Kronos ate Zeus's siblings, and yep. Zeus had to kill him and to release all the all the people, um, otherwise known as Saturn and Jupiter. But so there are many phrases in the English language also that relate to sex and consumption of human flesh. Can you think of any phrases? You know, just like things people would say um, in conversation that would. Well, sexually, you would say eating out, you know, okay. I'm going to eat you out. Right. Like, okay. Well, you're not really eating, but I guess you're sort of like, okay, yeah. so that's something. Right. Um, and then you might say uh, devour, like, oh, you devoured him. Or I guess that's not, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I, I have the following, the following uh, uh, quotes here of people, the things that people say, you know, when you describe a hot person, uh, think about words that people use that are akin to smoking. food. No, like smoking. It's like, like a smoking. No, like know. food. You know, like some like taste. Oh, uh, yummy! Right, that person's yummy. Tasty. Tasty. Yeah. Sweet. Scrumptious. Sweetie pie. Why Sweet. do we we call our our spouses sweetie pie? Pie. A pie is something you eat, and sweetie is like sweet. There's yeah. sweetness there. Yeah. <laughs> Juicy. What do you call your significant other? Salty potato. Come here, my salty potato. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm much more a savory person, you know. <laughs> Come here, you piece of pizza. Yeah. Um, another phrase you might hear is, you know, that person looks good enough to eat. I want to be called a saffrony quiche. <laughs> uh, another is, uh, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Right. Which, you know, I guess makes more literal sense. Like you have but... to literally go through his stomach. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what about songs about, about connecting sex or I sexuality? I want to eat your leg. Oh, wait, that, that wasn't <laughs> <work>. um, <laughs> That's like an unknown German version. <laughs> yeah, like the old Grimm's fairy tales, they're all super graphic and bloody. <laughs> The old Beatles songs were like that, too. Yeah, the original. <laughs> um, um, I don't know. You know, there's a Duran Duran song. Oh, Hungry the biggest... Like a Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. So the lyrics go, I'm on the hunt, I'm after you. Yeah. Mouth is alive, your juice is like, is wine, like wine, with juices like wine, and I'm hungry like the, the like whole. The whole <laughs> song is about chasing true, down true. a woman and wanting to eat her. Yeah. Uh, or what about a, "Eat It" by Weird Al? <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, Hall and Oates? There's a song by Hall and Oates oh, about man. cannibalism. One, um, of their, one of their big ones. Which one? Yeah. of a matter. What is the lyric though? What's the? Whoa, here she comes! Oh, a man eater, right? Yeah. Man eater. <laughs> Watch out, boy! She'll chew you up. <laughs> chew you up. It's literally in the lyric. Yeah, I mean, it's you know when you when you hear these things, she's and a man you, eater. 
So when you think about Army Hammer at first, you're just like, whoa, what a freak. And then you hear about Vor Fetish. And then you actually look at our culture and you're like, wait a second. Is it that aberrant? We have this stuff throughout our religion, throughout our the way we talk about hot people. It's in our songs. Um, Warrant. She's my cherry pie. Yeah, I mean, really, right? <laughs> like, what? She's a pie? Like, yeah. we, we, because it kind of makes sense because when we eat things, particularly good things that we like, it's very, it's, you know, it's ecstasy. It's, mm-hmm. it feels good. It's like, oh, this cherry pie is so good. And sex isn't that far away from that feeling, right? <laughs> Right. Uh, what about children's stories that we tell our children? Yeah, Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. Little They're, Red Riding uh, Hood. Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red Riding Hood. Lots of eating in that one. <laughs> Snow White and, and many others. Yeah. Um, so just some famous stories of, of other famous cannibals that are in real life. Uh, who's the most famous of all, Alberto? Uh, well, there was Ed Gein. Okay. Um, and then there was... Uh, oh, uh, I'm obviously missing something very obvious. Here. Yeah, the obvious one. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Uh, our our uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. and this is actually I did a whole deep dive on Jeffrey Dahmer. If you want to listen to yeah. it a year or two ago, and learning about war fetish changed my view of him. And I remember thinking at the time, I think he wants to eat people because the way he talked about it. Well, like one quote, it says that. He said, it made me feel like these people were a part of me. It gave me a sexual satisfaction to do that. And because on one hand, you look at his behavior, you're just like, well, that's like really sick. And it is. It's terrible. But uh, from his point of view, he wanted, he loved these people and he wanted to make them a part of him. Right. And you could consider his behavior as a very far aberrant uh, version of a variation among human sexuality, which is the vor fetish that you take someone that has it in an extreme way and also lacks empathy and also yeah. doesn't mind killing and harming other people. And then you get someone like Jeffrey Dahmer. What, what often gets focused on with people like Army Hammer and Jeffrey Dahmer is that, Oh, they're cannibals. Well, no, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer was a psychopathic murderer who also happened to have a vor fetish, you know, is, yeah. is the thing people should say. Army Hammer, if the allegations are accurate, uh, he's not a cannibal. What he is is an abusive partner who just happens to have a vor fetish. You know what I mean? Right. Like, we, we need to couch and it. And might that. anyways, but yeah. Yeah, we don't know, yeah. but uh, it, because there are plenty of people out there with vor fetishes exactly like Ar- Army Hammer does, and they don't harm anyone. So yeah. uh, we need to uncouple these associations because the vast, vast majority of people with war fetishes don't do anything. And they, and they don't even emotionally harm anybody. You know what I mean? There's something, uh, I think, visceral for so many of us about thinking of someone eating human, right? Uh, I think maybe it was developed just naturally because it turns out that, uh, you know, if, if species, not all of them, but if species are consuming their own it can lead to some problems, um, you know, medically, because they can consume uh, the types of proteins that could develop into brain problems and things like that. So uh, maybe over time, it just became inherent in some class of animals to like avoid consuming the flesh of their own kind. 
And then as humans evolved and got like sophisticated, we, in addition to that, had all these stories around it. And so then it became really disgusting as a, as a society to think about it. It's like, ah, that's the worst thing you could imagine or one of the worst anyways. And so, yeah, as soon as you hear cannibalism attached to anything, it multiplies the horror times 10. Right. And, yeah. Because there's misunderstanding about it, really, in my view. Did Jeffrey Dahmer do something horrible? Yes. Did Army Hammer potentially do something horrible? Yes. But if we, you know, take someone who, uh, let's just change Army Hammer's story and say that he would convince women to just have uh, missionary sex with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And yet, and he also would do things emotionally to the women that made them feel afraid and made them feel used or not heard or right. coerced or something, then the story would probably feel a lot different to the public, right? Missionaryist. <laughs> right. Uh, so I think that's the key here is that because well, of our yeah. kink shame and our kink phobia, this elevates it from a 35 to a 75 on the scale. I mean, so two things. One, just even the fact that you are using the words Jeffrey Dahmer and then Army Hammer in the same sentence right. is an illustration. Because like, right. why would you ever put the same? But the other thing that I do think about is um, these phobias, this isn't surprising. Of course we have these phobias because um, this, this whole notion of uh, predilection and freedom in sexuality and stuff is very, very new. And it's still tricky. There are gray areas. We're not quite sure. Like, where do, where is it too much? Like I was saying in a different episode, I, I'm not sure that just fantasizing about everything constantly is conducive to mental health. Like, I don't know where those lines are. Uh, if I obsessively think about something over and over and over, it might become a problem, but I don't know how much and what kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. So there's another famous case, Armand Muse, a German man. He killed and ate a male partner who consented to it. I heard about this. Yeah, He advertised online or something. He was like, I want yeah. someone. And the other person was like, yeah, I, I, that's my fantasy. Yeah. And he could only experience attachment when the other person was physically inside of him, inside of his belly. So, um, yeah, interesting. Very, ab very strange case, obviously, you know, very rare to two individuals who, you know, I, I yeah. guess you can call that consensual. I, I don't think we need that in our society. But, um, okay, so going that's to... The, so that, by the way, that's the part where... Consent gets weird, too, because you can have someone as an adult who said, uh, yeah, you know, I'd like to be put to sleep, right? Like put to death. Uh, but then you have to analyze, like, well, were they, were they capable of making that determination where they all, where all their cap capabilities, where all their senses there? Right. And we've had famous cases about that sort of stuff. Yeah. So going to the subreddit and, uh, at the end here, again, trigger alert. Uh, if this is upsetting, just check in with your body around this and don't listen if it's triggering because it very well could be. Uh, this person says, I have a vor fetish and I'm not afraid to be open about it. I love, I also love anime. I've never gotten to experience vor in an anime format before and I am 100% unaware if vor themed shows even exist. The only anime 
I have seen with even a single Vorsin is in an early Naruto or Naruto episode when Naruto was eaten by a giant snake. But God, seeing him slowly slide down the snake's throat, got me rock hard or rock solid. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I am in need of any potential information to aid me in my quest. So that's one person's um, qu- ask Naruto, request huh? for anime vor material. Um, this this person posted, and a lot of people replied to it. And I thought it was pretty uh, illustrative. This person says, "My boyfriend likes vor, and there are are there ways that I can satisfy his fetish." One time, I was sitting in his lap, and I had an oversized hoodie on. I put the hoodie over his head and upper body, and he was trapped in the hoodie. And he really liked it. Any advice would be much appreciated. And then someone wrote in and said, use a sleeping bag and role play that it's your gut and you got him trapped in it. So, Berto, when you hear that, what do you think? Okay, so I have two thoughts. One is that these sound like fairly reasonable people saying, hey, I mean, I'm just being honest here. This is what I like to fantasize about, but, you know, I'm not killing someone or i just like i like fetishes like these and then i like anime and then in the other case it's like i have a relationship and i'm obviously not trying to hurt my partner but what could we do and and, you know the the descriptions sound pretty innocuous uh the the other part of me goes i'm still curious like what where is it coming from like what what triggers that desire those those thoughts yeah and it's sexuality is weird Um, and we'll never probably ever know (laughs) humans are extremely varied and uh, adaptive, but, uh, certainly, as I said, there's a hypothesis that eating things, uh, is a way to one satiate yourself. And of course, having sex is a way of satiating yourself in the way that some people have, uh, you know, excrement fetish, right? There's a certain pleasure of excreting (laughs) and um, also when we were very young we took in mother's milk and that's true to do that is to and at the at the same time we're very much being loved hopefully and being taken care of and nurtured and also we are absorbing our mother's personality and her oh i guess i shouldn't gender the person who's we're because it could be any gender. So we're taking in the food of our caretaker and we're also taking in their love and we're also, and it fills our belly and we're also taking in who they are as a human being. We're taking in their language. We're taking in their mannerisms. We're taking in their values. And, uh, in a way, you know, you're eating parts of your parent. (laughs) You're, you're eating their, their body. That's what it is. That's what breastfeeding is anyway. You're, you're literally eating part of their body. Right. And uh, so given our uh, mushy brain between our ears, you could see how it could become associated with sex in that way. You know? That mushy part is the part that I struggle with. For example, imagine you're the president of the United States and you have a kink. Your kink is you want to pretend with your partner, the uh, first the first guy of the nation or whatever, you want to pretend that you're going to 
set off the nuclear football, like you're going to trigger a nuclear war. But that you're just pretending. You're not grabbing the actual nuclear football. But that's your kink. Like, you love pretending, oh, here we go. Nuclear destruction, go! Okay, here's the thing. I don't want, I don't want the president pretending, role-playing that constantly. That's, that doesn't sound safe at all. Like, I would want someone to be like, like what, what, what's happening? Let, let's talk to someone here. That's not safe. Because well, in my well, me, mind, I'm me, like, yeah, I don't course. want you to even come anywhere <laughs> close to thinking that that's something you should experiment with. Yeah, and, and there is a, an association with entertaining one's fantasies and behavior, but it's a far cry from, you know, let me give you a more down-to-earth example that is very common, which is someone has a, a gun in their house. Yeah, either mm-hmm. a shotgun for hunting or a handgun for whatever. And when they're online, all they do is play shooters. And they shoot people and they, right. they love that game. They like the feeling of it. Is there something wrong? Is there something risky about that person? Are they going to grab their gun in their closet and kill a bunch of people? Research shows extremely unlikely. So again, there's a vast chasm between fantasy and play and actual behavior. Fair enough. Now, what about this scenario? You own the gun. You have a scope. You get pleasure from aiming down through your window. You live in this apartment building, and you like aiming at people. But you're not going to shoot them. It's just that you really get off on it. You look through the scope, and you imagine what it would be like. And you just, oh, my gosh, it's so fun. Yeah. But you don't do it. Yeah, that's a good example. And I see the difference. <laughs> and, yeah. And I suppose case by case, right? Um, But just going over some other suggestions, this person says, lick your boyfriend, hold him down and lick his face while you tell him how good he tastes Mm -hmm. and how you can't wait to get him in your belly. So for those listening, if you don't have this fetish, including you, Berta, you might be like, what? But, you know, that turns some people on. Sort of. I mean, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, you know what? Like, we kiss. And kissing, it's like you're imbibing each other's saliva and it's like pretty sloppy (laughs) normally and stuff. And yeah. so what's that about, right? Like, Yeah. It reminds me of the thought experiment of like, okay, you're French kissing for five minutes. You know that you're uh, consuming a lot of their saliva, right? And right. You're, you're like, yeah, of course. Okay, if your partner spit into a <laughs> spoon, would you, would you drink it? No! Yeah, but it's it somehow... Right, right, right. <laughs> it's it somehow it's like, no. Great point. Or another, or even a, even a better one. Uh, on a given day, you know, you swallow your spit all day long. You know, sometimes right. you even consciously do it. It's like, oh, something's kind of building up and you just swallow it. Yep. Okay, spit into a spoon and, and then, then drink it. Spit. <laughs> as soon as Context. it leaves the... Yeah, as soon as it leaves the yeah. the body of of the person it's now suddenly like discussed now right. maybe a vor person they another person says stomach noises are a big one and there are two ways i use to get them louder first you can swallow a bunch of water but make sure you gulp down some air with it it makes for a super sloshy belly and then uh, another comment cuz they want to listen to the belly so if the right right uh, second, if you really want to make it loud, get a microphone, pair it up with a speaker <laughs> or some headphones, then let him listen to it, preferably either in the dark or in the bath. <laughs> let me out. Um, another uh, person says, stroke his tummy and say something like, someone is in there now in this pleasant, warm place. And depending on the preferences, you can say that 
a character of some sort feels very relaxed and good in his stomach, or the character that you identify is now gradually being digested and his nutritious substances will soon fill you, uh, your boyfriend, with life energy. Okay, by the way, so two thoughts. One is we do have this dichotomy of like we do actually, many people, most people, eat animals that are dead. Sometimes they're not that dead. Like, you know, people eat raw stuff quite often around the world, I mean. Um, And those are creatures, you know, maybe they were recently alive. Sometimes they're still wiggling. Um, So that's a thing that actually happens. Number one. Number two. Yogurt. You're eating live cultures. Yogurt has a lot of bacteria. Yeah, exactly. But then the other thing that comes to mind is everything you're describing so far sounds pretty safe to me. Like, in other words, if I were with a partner that had this fetish, but these were the descriptions of the thing, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds fine. Right. I mean, I'm not into it, but... So that's contrasting fine. this with what Army Hammer was doing, and we're exactly. talking about something different. And and the, the key for me is that when I think cannibalism and all these things, I'm thinking, yes, definitely of like, I'm going to slice a little part of your thigh and put it in my tongue and wiggle it around. Um, where I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I need that. <laughs> I need the blood that goes in there. I need the flesh that goes with that. <laughs> right. Like, that's not something you can just do. Right. So what we're looking at, at least in the descriptions about Army Hammer, is someone that either doesn't care or doesn't know how to care about the feelings of another person. We hear from the Reddit person who is saying, my boyfriend, I think has, I know my boyfriend has a vor fetish. Um. But according to the way she described it, he's never asked for anything because he's ashamed, probably. Right. And so she's asking Reddit, what, what can I do for him? Because he doesn't tell me what he wants, probably because he's so ashamed. That's the typical vor fetish lifestyle is secret porn, really, yeah. and never telling any partner about it. So what Army Hammer is doing is seemingly, from the allegations, he is finding women who he likes and is attracted to. And then slowly, and, and maybe not really respecting them and not really wanting to be with them long term, the way that, because in that one interview, he's like, well, I can't do these things with my wife because I respect her. Right. So he finds women that he doesn't really care that much about and then proceeds to break them down emotionally, maybe. Again, based on the allegations, seems possible. Because he knows he wants to do these very sadistic, vor things with them to get off, but he also knows that uh, they are pro- they probably aren't going to like it, so he can't ask people who are into this sort of thing, and he can't explain it beforehand. So he quickly kind of uh, bum-rushes people with these things, you know, like, he pro- the way that they described it, it's like, one night he's like a little rough and, and she's like, okay, that wasn't so bad. The next night it's like, okay, how about we do a little tie up stuff? And it's like, okay, that's not so bad. And then that goes on for a while. And then, and then it's, uh, a knife is displayed. Okay. That's not so bad. And then the knife is now carving a letter into my yeah. body. And every step of the way, he's not like, by the way, I'm really in this kind of thing. Is it okay if we do this play tonight? Like there's seemingly no conversations around that. So that's what we need to be focusing on. Not that he's a cannibal, but that he is doing things that seemingly from the allegations are not consensual and might even be manipulative emotionally. 
Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Final word, Berto. Well, I have opened my appetite and my eyes. <laughs> I still probably will choose Chianti for my my outings personally, but uh, it's it's opened me to other wines out there. Uh, I think I I don't know. I wish the victims the best, and I hope I hope that um, it is something that either he can overcome through therapy or uh, or maybe that this isn't as bad as it's portrayed, and somehow he can recover his career. It's really hard, and we're always on the outside of these stories. It's very rare when you have all the data just laid out in front of you. Um, so I don't want to pass too strict of judgment in, in any case like these because, you know, I don't know. But from what I've heard, I wish the victims the best. It, it, that sounds quite disturbing and tragic, and I hope that he finds some help. Yeah, ditto. I'm reminded of suddenly I'm reminded of a video I have of you and me in Vancouver, Canada. Mm-hmm. And I'll cut this out later if you want me to. <laughs> but um, a woman... Maybe, oh, yeah, no, no, you don't have to cut this out. This was hilarious. Maybe, oh a, maybe she had a war fetish. She might have, actually. Okay, we were sitting there in a store buying some falafel or something. I think it was pizza. But pizza. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sitting there. We were, you know, let's just say we had had a couple beers. Or it whatever. was late night. It was probably like late four night. in the morning. We had was... already been dancing like three times. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just sitting there kind of like doing a little dance in place. And then I'm kind of looking over at this gal and she's giving me what I at first thought was like the stink guy. Like she's kind of looking at me like she can't figure me out or something. And then she just like gets right up to me. And licks my cheek. <laughs> yeah, like like full from, tongue. From the bottom to the top. Yeah, like yeah. just licks the side of my yeah. face. Not the tip of the tongue, but like the full, yeah, full breadth tongue. of the tongue, tongue. Just And I have it all on video, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I was like, huh, what? Did I just get bored? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe one day we'll release those videos. Yes. All right, Birdo, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Everyone out there, please take care of yourself and kink wisely because you deserve it.